This is a free download from Understand Nancy Leland Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Lancaster Leland Church building. At the Vine, St. in the Chamber of Lion of Guernsey. Contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at I want us to think um, back, I know some of us might not have been here last week, but those of us who were, pass our minds back to last week, and I was speaking about the day of Pentecost. And um, I was sharing about the festival of Shavuot, the the Feast of Weeks, the festival where um, they commemorated the receiving of the law. They commemorated the receiving of the law on Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. And they also um, read uh, some of the scriptures. And one of those readings was from Ezekiel, the vision of Ezekiel. And I was trying to show us just how that tied together the commemorating of um, the, the Ten Commandments and the receiving of the law with the vision that Ezekiel saw and then what the Jews were seeing, the first century Jews were seeing in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and how that all tied in together. Okay? Um, I got excited about that and it was, I just find that fascinating. So I want to continue with that thought today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you think about what do we mean by the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why is it so important to us? It is our distinctive. Okay? We're a Pentecostal church. So why, does, why are we set apart? What makes us Pentecostals? Um, it's because we believe in the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the disciples received in that passage in Acts 2 on that great festival day. And I hope that as I just explain a little bit today, um, we will just be able to get a bit of a clearer understanding, uh, a little bit of a more uh, idea of what what it means, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and then how that can lead us to um, just have a greater encounter with the Spirit in our own lives. I'm going to ask Tim just to play a short little video clip, first of all, uh, just to kickstart us. Thanks. Technology has brought us, there's nothing quite like the natural world. It's awe-inspiring, it's breathtaking, it's life-giving. When I was growing up, I didn't hear much about the Holy Spirit. The only time the Holy Spirit was mentioned was in school assembly prayers, which always finished with the same words, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit seemed like an afterthought, at best a kind of vague supernatural force, and at worst something strange or even a bit freaky. But in the Bible, the Holy Spirit isn't a vague force, but a person that you can know. He isn't an optional extra either. He's front and central. And he wasn't a recent invention. He was there from the very beginning. And everything, all of this, was made through him. In the beginning, there was God. The earth was empty, formless, dark. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast 
oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out of the chaos of the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon and every star, creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner, God sent his Spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled others with his spirit for prophecy, to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and hope to his people. The spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new. Not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, gender, ethnicity and race. Then, with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, heal the sick, bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. So often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. As Bezalel was given the skill to craft and design the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives. New attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. Whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill, ability and creativity. Like Gideon, God uses people who feel weak, inadequate, ill-equipped. As God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that 
gift giver, the guide. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts. He takes away our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit, who helps us to break free from bad habits, also harnesses a desire to love others and to help those in need, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not only about what is felt, but also about making a difference in the world. He can use you. Excellent, thank you. That's actually from an alpha video, but uh, a little bit uh, advanced later on, but it's just great to get that summary there of the Spirit. So, I'm just going to take us through a couple through even a couple of things. Sorry, Tim. I'm working Tim hard today at the back there. I could have the PowerPoint, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you. So, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why is it important to us? And, um, you know, what is it, its, its biblical basis? So, first of all, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a biblical experience. Let's have a look at this. Now, you don't have to look up all these scriptures, I've put them there for you. But, um, if we look at the Bible, we can see that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a biblical thing, okay? So, um, in Acts 1.5, Acts 1.5 is just the little verse that says, John the Baptist baptised in water, but you will receive um, the Holy Spirit baptism. It's just that verse there. So, the fulfilment of that is, of course, in what we see outplaying in the Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when they're filled with the Spirit. But there's a number of references we could use. In Acts 1.4, it talks about the promise of the Father that he would bring the Holy Spirit, that he would send the Holy Spirit. Then you've got the Holy Spirit came on all or was poured out in Acts 10. Um, I was speaking last week about the Holy Spirit being for everyone, not just for the Jews, which would be, you know, mind-blowing, but for the Gentiles. So the Holy Spirit is for all of us. Um, it talks about receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them. Peter in Acts chapter 11 explained explain to the apostles in Jerusalem what happened to Cornelius and his house, the, the Gentiles. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So we know for sure, and I don't think I have to convince you on that, it is a biblical experience, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, yeah? Good stuff. Okay, it's a biblical experience, but it's also a definite experience. If we look at Acts chapter 2, and we go back to the day of Pentecost, it says suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind is heard. It's like an actual event. Suddenly something was taking place. It wasn't a gradual experience. Our salvation experience, our conversion, can be gradual. Many of you will be sat there, and if I said to you, share your testimony with someone, it may well be that you don't have a definite point when you became a Christian. It could be like, well, I kind of like grew up in the church and sort of like just at some point I must have believed it and made that, but I don't know, it's like a gradual thing or we're on a journey. And so conversion experience can be very gradual. I'm, I think about my own conversion experience. I think I was a bit of both. Can you be a bit of both? Can you be definite and gradual? <laughs> I don't know, because I remember at the age of five, you know, making a definite decision that I wanted to be a Christian, I wanted to follow Jesus, and I remember saying the prayer, you know, um, at the age of five, in the living room at home with my family, but I was five, you know, and at five, you haven't experienced very much of you, um, you know, you haven't really been through much, and you haven't got a very big world view, 
So I always think it was definite. I definitely, you know, at that moment gave my life to Christ. But then throughout my life growing up, it was a gradual sort of experience of getting to know Jesus and actually coming to that place more as an adult of saying, yeah, no, this is what I'm following and, and what I believe. So conversion can be different for us all. Some of you might have had an absolute definite moment where you go, yep, that was the day I you know, gave my life to Christ. It was on that moment. But some of us would be gradual. But the spirit baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit here was a definite experience. It was a moment in time. It was then, there and then they were baptised in the Holy Spirit. Why else do I say that? Well, if we have a little look at another passage in Acts chapter 19, Paul poses this question um, to the disciples. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their answer was, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So this question to the Ephesian disciples, there was an expected answer. The answer was going to be yes or no. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they believed, they gave their life to Christ, they were converted, they were on the Christian journey, they, were, they had the Holy Spirit in them in the sense that when we give our life to Christ, the Spirit comes in us. So there was that kind of idea, but they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. They weren't baptised in the Holy Spirit. They were just, you know, converted in that sense. They were Christians, but they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's a definite experience. Another scripture, just to back that up, is in Acts 1, 5. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So water baptism is likened to spirit baptism. And we don't have a gradual water baptism, do we? We don't get somebody in here in the tank and say, okay, I'm going to leave you there for a couple of months, see how you go. All right, do a bit of swimming in there, uh, and then we'll baptise you. No, water baptism is a definite moment. You go through the water to baptism and you're baptised. It's likened to spirit baptism. So I think we can say safely that there is a moment where we're baptised in the Holy Spirit. It's a definite thing. Okay, so it's biblical and it's a definite experience. Wonderful. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. It's separate to other works of the Spirit. So you might be thinking, oh, hang on a minute. So this is a definite experience, but I thought I had the Holy Spirit, but I don't think I have a definite experience. Well, what does that mean? Okay. Well, this is it. So it's separate to other works of the Spirit. Let's have a look at Acts 8, um, 1 to 16. I've got it on the screen there, but I'm sort of taking a few different verses from that passage. From verse 12, it says this. When they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So they were baptised. They were followers of Christ, but they hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. So it's a different work to the Spirit. The Spirit does cleanse us from sin. So in our conversion experience, when we repent, the Spirit cleanses us from sin. There is a work of the Holy Spirit when Christ dwells in our hearts by faith so that we are filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In Ephesians 3... Six, uh, let's have a little look at this. Ephesians 3, 16. It says, 
Um, no, I'm not. I'm in the wrong place. I can't find where it says it. Trust me, in Ephesians 3, somewhere, okay, it says this, all right, that when Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, we are filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Okay, that's what it says in there in Ephesians 3. It also says in Romans 8 that there is a work of the Holy Spirit as we receive freedom from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. So the work of the Spirit is working in our lives all the time as we're followers of Christ to free us from sin and death. There is a work of the Holy Spirit that puts to death the misdeeds of the body. It says in Romans 8.13 that the Holy Spirit puts to death those things. In Galatians 5 it says there is a work of the Holy Spirit where we can learn to walk with him. In verse 16 it says, Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So when we get that conversion experience, when we give our lives over to Christ, obviously the work of the Spirit is working in our lives to free us from sin, to fill us. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit because we have God living within us. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So God is within us, but it is separate to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So there is a distinct work of the baptism. Fourthly, it is a power experience. Acts 1.8 says, You will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay? So when we're baptised with the Holy Spirit, we receive power. When we're converted, when we have a conversion experience, we're not given power at that point. We're given authority. We're given authority. We're given the right to become children of God. John 1 says, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's amazing, isn't it? And I've said this before, that when we give our lives over to Christ, we become his children. And when you are a child, you have access to your parent and, and you have that right. So when we, can, when we have that conversion, we are given the authority, the right to be called children of God. But authority doesn't mean power. Okay? And many churches, I think, and many Christians have authority that they're children of God okay but maybe not the power and it's the power that will help us it's the power of the Holy Spirit that will send us out it's the power that will make us bold in our witness and our faith okay so Acts 4.33 says with great power the apostles continue continue to testify to the resurrection if you think about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. What happens straight after that? They go and preach, don't they? They preach the gospel message. Peter's out there immediately reaching people with the gospel message. And we're told that thousands are converted on that day. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're sent out in power. They had that authority already as children of God, but now they have the power. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It wasn't so much in the results, although God did grant them favour, but the result was in them. They became active, even in their difficult circumstances, even in their dire situations, even in their persecution, even in all of that, and all of that that was going on, they were able to have that power to go out and proclaim the gospel, to say that Jesus was Lord and Saviour. Nothing was going to stop them talking about Jesus. 
It's power. The baptism is when Jesus um, plunges us into the person of the Holy Spirit and we receive power to be bold in our witness. You know, when we as a church, when we follow the things of this world, when we long for the things of this world, when we're looking at all the stuff of this world and we're trying to strive after that, it's so easy then, isn't it, to lose our spiritual power. It's so easy to look at everything in this world and go after the things of this world. But then we grieve the Holy Spirit. And it's possible that many of us who have been baptised with the Holy Spirit were given power. And we felt that moment in our lives when we were baptised in the Holy Spirit and we felt that bold witness to go out and, and proclaim Jesus. But then what happens is life happens. Stuff happens. We look to other places and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And we need perhaps that new, fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit to have that power back in our lives. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is about power. But this leads me on to think about some questions because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something separate and it's something definite and it's something that we want to experience. If you're anything like me, sometimes you think in your head, well, I'm really not sure that's for me and maybe it's for the person next to me, but I don't know if it's about me. I was talking last week about looking at that hierarchy in Christianity. We sometimes have the premiership Christians at the top, yeah, and then there's the person sitting next to us, and then we're here somewhere, <laughs> down the bottom. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? And we think, oh, I'm not sure that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for me. Am I good enough to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Maybe that's one of the questions we ask ourselves. And I want to try and encourage us with this. Um, if, if it was left, if everything was left to how good we are, we'd never do anything and we'd never have anything from God. <laughs> okay? Just to encourage you <laughs> on that one. All right? Because we, in our own little selves, know are probably not really good enough for the all-perfect, almighty God. But thankfully... Our faith is not based on us and what we do and how we are. Our faith is based on grace and it's based on what Jesus has done. So when God looks at me and you, thank the Lord, he sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus over our lives. And so we might think, oh, I'm not good enough. I, you know, I couldn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged today that when God looks at you, what he sees is Jesus' blood all over your life. He looks at us in grace and he looks at us in mercy. So yes, God says, you are good enough. Yes, you can receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can be um, emboldened and, and, and have power to go out. Yes, you. You're not excluded from this. Isn't that brilliant? It's not about our performance, but it's about what Jesus has done for us. And we're covered in the blood of Jesus. So God looks at us and sees forgiveness. And we've got to stand in that and we've got to believe in that. And we've got to apply it to our lives and we've got to walk in that assurance that we are worthy to receive because of what Jesus has done. So don't sit there thinking it's not for me. It is for you. The Spirit wants to work in your life. The Spirit wants to be powerful in your life so that you can go out and be a witness. One of the questions as well, I think, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like, hang on a minute, what's this about and what will happen to me? I remember I grew up in the church so, you know, when you grow up in the church, you hear all these things all the time and you get used to things. But I was always a little bit like, ooh, 
what's this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing all about, really? And I remember my experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit um, was at a camp, a festival, a youth festival. That's why it's so great that we're taking our young people away. It was at a festival, and uh, they were praying for people to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And I remember going forward and um, feeling a little bit nervous and a little bit worried, thinking, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be, like, changed? Am I going to, like, be taken over? Is something, am I going to go out of control? <laughs> All those things are going in your mind, aren't they, when you're thinking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I want to reassure us that having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we lose our identity or our personality. It doesn't mean that we go out of control. It's not some sort of mystical experience that is just like, whoa, wacky out there and what's going on, okay? Uh, it's not like that. Actually, sometimes in the church we've made it harder to be baptised in the Holy Spirit than salvation. It shouldn't be like that. Um, and the experience does not take us into some sort of, like I said, premiership of Christianity. What will happen? We will receive power from the Holy Spirit. We will receive power. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us not to entertain us, not to just make our lives better. It's given to us to empower us to go to be bold in our witness to our family, to our friends, to our work colleagues, to give us that assurance of our faith, not just for ourselves here. Which leads me on, in Acts 2, 4, it says this, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The language came as the Spirit enabled them. They spoke and the Spirit helped them. And it's an important combination there. I think sometimes the worry of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what will happen to me is because it's tied up with tongue speaking, which seems a bit out there. Whenever I speak to people, some friends or whatever, they don't get tongue speaking. They just, they're like, what is that about? What are you doing when people are speaking in other languages in the church? It's like really hard to explain, isn't it? Like what's going on? Um, but... This is what happens when we're baptised with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can speak in other tongues. But that's really cool. That's really good. And I want to share why that's so good. So my other question is this. What's so good about speaking in tongues? There's two types of tongue speaking in the church, which I'm sure we're familiar with. Okay? There's that public message of speaking in tongues. And some people have that gift where they'll speak out in tongues and we have it here in our church and they'll say a message to the church and then they'll interpret it and there's a tongue speaking that is more private and just a general where you just sort of use it for yourself and use it to you know worship God in your own time and people can get those different gifts and like I said some of us will have those gifts here and I want to encourage us again with that gift of speaking in tongues because I think sometimes it's a bit sidelined. I was saying this about fasting a while, while ago. Like We know about fasting and we know to do it, but we sort of don't do it. I think it's a similar sometimes with tongue speaking. Whether you've got that gift of speaking in tongues, it might be that you've got that gift, but you don't use it very much. Or, I'm going to go back to my experience, you might be a little bit like me. Okay, So when I was 13 and went to the festival and got baptised with the Holy Spirit, I really felt I was baptised with the Holy Spirit but I didn't get what this tongue speaking was about. I was like, right, what's going to happen to me with tongues? Is I thought what was going to happen is I just stayed still and I'd always have like my mouth taken over and I'd just speak 
that's how I thought it was going to be like, right? So I was like, oh, I don't think anything's happening to me and everybody else is with different languages. And I'm like, oh, God, what's going on? And I remember thinking, I just had this one word it drop into my head and I thought, right, well, I'm just going to say that word. That's what I did, okay? So I just had a word okay, for a long time. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I went away from that thinking... I'm not really sure if I've got the gift of speaking in tongues or not. I've got a word, um, but did that just come from my imagination? Is that just my mind? What's going on? And uh, so I just sort of shelved it for a bit. But I think it was the start of something, and it was a gift that God had given me, but I was nervous about it. I was unsure about it, and I, I, I didn't know what to do with it, so I didn't really use it. And sometimes we can be a little bit like that, and I really want to encourage us this morning to use our gift of tongues. I'll come on to it in a moment of why I think it's so important. It wasn't until much later in my life, actually, it was on the commissioning when I was working as a youth worker in the UK, so it must have been about 2021, 20, that I got that confidence to start speaking in tongues again properly because I was prayed for. Now, if, if you know me at all, you'll know that I'm, I like to have things quite ordered and quite controlled. Chaos, mm, yeah, I can cope with it, but I'd rather be able to sort things out. So when I'm prayed for, and this is what happened, when I was prayed for, and I was just shaking all over, and I was crying uncontrollably. Even just saying that is worrying to me. But that's what I was doing. Now I know that that's not me, okay? Because I wouldn't do that. Um, I wouldn't do that on my own. I wouldn't do that in front of people. So God was obviously doing something in my life, um, which was great. And it was at that moment that I began to start using that word, that one word that I had, um, to develop this gift of tongues. And I want to encourage us all to do that today. And just to be, not to worry about that. And if we don't speak in tongues, then maybe we can seek that gift when we are baptised in the Holy Spirit. So we could ask ourselves this question. Do we have to have tongues? Does baptism in the Holy Spirit always lead to speaking in tongues? Because a lot of people out there say, you know, say a number of different things about this. And I want to put forward my thoughts on that. Do we need, is the gift of tongues the evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to say no. Okay? Um, I think tongues definitely biblical that when you're baptised in the Holy Spirit, tongues follows. But, and I would encourage all of us, if we want that gift, to seek it. But I'm going to say no, that it doesn't have to, because of this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 30, Paul says this, not all speak in tongues, not all speak in tongues. And he was using the word um, for general tongue speaking, not just the public speaking. He was using the word for general uh, so it wasn't just he wasn't saying the special gift he was just saying no not all speaking tongues and he goes on to elaborate on that and he says um, you know if the ear should say because I'm not an eye I do not belong to the body you know that just doesn't make sense of course it does belong to the body and so Paul is trying to say there look to the people if you don't speak in tongues that's okay it doesn't mean you're not baptised in the Holy Spirit you can be baptised in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. But tongue speaking is beneficial and I think it's accessible to us all. So I just want to quickly say what's so good about speaking in tongues and try and encourage us if we do that 
to continue doing it if we don't, to maybe seek this gift out, okay? Why we can communicate with God. Nowadays, we have digital radio, don't we? So if you want to listen to the radio, you can just put it on your iPlayer or whatever. I don't know how many of you still have a radio where you have to tune in. Does anyone have one of those? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. So do I, actually, because I'm, I'm quite like that. I've got a radio I still have to tune in. I've still got a tape cassette player, so, you know, um, I'm really rolling with the times. But when you have to tune in your radio, you have to go through different frequencies, don't you? And back in the day, sometimes you could even pick up the police radio frequency, if you were lucky, um, and you could listen. And I think, in the spirit realm, it's a little bit like that, with what's going on. All these different messages are being transmitted. We don't even know what's going on in the spiritual realm. But there is a spiritual realm. And all these different messages are happening and being transmitted. And it's a little bit like that. Like, you know, the radio. And if we stay on the same frequency, the same language, the enemy can pick that up. But praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, is almost like a a frequency that the enemy doesn't understand. It's a heavenly language. Tongue speaking is a way of us communicating with God that the enemy doesn't understand. And it's that intimate, intimate conversation, communication with God. Paul writes, I speak with the tongues of men and angels. It's a heavenly language that we're gifted with. It's not the language of men. And so... The enemy can't understand that language of heaven. It can frustrate his plans. He can't get into it. He can't penetrate that idea of what we're talking about. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, it says in 1 Corinthians. You know, we all experience times in our lives of seasons where it's difficult, where prayer is difficult, where it's hard to get into that place, maybe when our thoughts are wandering and, and you know, we don't feel like, um, we're in a season of blessing and prosperity. We're in a season where actually it's difficult and it's hard and we don't feel like praying. We don't feel like coming into the presence of God. Sometimes we can feel like that. But there's a simple statement of the Bible. When I pray in tongues, I'm talking with God. And I think praying in the Spirit, praying with that heavenly language can really help in those seasons when it's difficult and we just don't know what to say. Yes, we need to pray first and foremost with our language, understanding what we're saying, okay? Um, but I think there's something powerful about a spirit language, about speaking with this heavenly language. Sometimes my understanding is in pieces. Sometimes, you know, I'm tired, I'm confused, and I don't know what to say, and I come into God's presence and I don't know what to say. And it's then that I can speak in tongues and use that communication, and I think it's really helpful in that sense. It builds the person up. Talks in 1 Corinthians, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. To edify means to build up, to build yourself up. To praying in tongues helps to build us, enlarge our, our, our territory, as it were, perhaps, um, our life, our situation. We can feel sometimes inhibited by what's ahead of the things we need to do and the tasks before us and all life's circumstances. But perhaps praying in tongues will build us up in those moments to take away fear, to take away the complexities of life. It helps to put on the armour of God. We talk about this quite a bit, about you know putting on the armour of God in our, in our day-to-day life. But when Paul's writing about that in Ephesians, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, just after he's talked about the armour of God. Maybe he's sort of saying, you know, this is how you get, this is how you get the armour of God. Pray in the Spirit. 
It's part of putting on your armour of protection. It helps you defend the attacks of the enemy. In Isaiah 59, it says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. There are times when we feel like it's not just life going on, but it almost feels like there's an attack on our life, like the enemy has an attack on our life. And when we're facing that difficult situation, when, you know, when we're feeling that our mind or our ministry or our marriage or whatever it is, is on the verge of being destroyed and devoured by the enemy, actually, tongues speaking, that heavenly language can really help us. When we're perhaps facing temptation, when we just don't know what to do, praying in the Spirit can release something and help us. Lifting up that language, that heavenly language. It helps to relieve anxiety. Mark 6 says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I think tongues is this automatic communication that we have with God. It you know, pulls us into the experience of God um, and, and the encounter of God and out perhaps of our situation. It takes us to a place of rest, a place of refuge that we can have with God, away from the pressures of this world. So I think there's something important in tongue speaking for just relieving our anxiety and taking us to that place of rest in God. And it unveils mysteries. Anyone who speaks in a tongue utters mysteries with his spirit, it says in 1 Corinthians. Now when we think of the word mystery, today to us it means the kind of mystery is like unknown. But in the New Testament Greek it means something opposite. It means a former secret now opened. So we, um, it unveils mysteries. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us into things that were once hidden, but now in Christ are open to us. So when we pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit can help us, bring us into the understanding of Christ, into the understanding of the Word of God. It can open it up for us, understanding of ourselves, of others, of other people's needs, whatever it might be. Maybe the, the solution to our problem. So I think there's quite a lot of good stuff about tongue speaking and you might not have even ever thought of it much before, okay? You might have thought to yourself, I've got this gift, I don't really know what it's for or you might think, I don't have that gift, I don't really need it or I don't have that gift, I'd really want it but I don't know how to get it. I don't know, I don't know what you think about tongue speaking. We don't hear about it much but I think it is a lovely gift. It's a heavenly language and I think it's really good for these reasons. And of course, there are other gifts that the Spirit gives. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. I'll just quickly read it. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. It's not just tongues. It's not just the gift of tongues. It's lots of different gifts that can be given when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit. And we can continually seek those gifts. Just because it happens once doesn't mean we can't receive new gifts from the Holy Spirit. We can. And that's important that we seek out new gifts from the Holy Spirit. But it may be that a person receives tongues. It may, you know, you might be baptised in the Holy Spirit and receive the gift of healing or whatever, prophecy. It could be any of these things. Some people might 
be baptised in the Holy Spirit and feel the manifest presence of God in their life and it might show clearly, physically. Others might not. You might be standing there and thinking, I don't really have any manifest presence going on here. What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit? Well, we can see it through the gifts and we can see it through tongues. But I think the main thing is this. When someone receives the Holy Spirit baptism, when they're prayed for or they receive it themselves, when the Holy Spirit desires to immerse that person in, you know, within himself, which he does, the evidence will be this renewed sense of love for God, this renewed sense of obedience to Christ and a real heartfelt desire for praise and worship of God and there will be an empowerment. You will receive power. So where once we maybe were afraid, we'll be, we'll be bold, we'll be strong. Over the next couple of Sundays, we're going to have an opportunity for people to be prayed for, to be baptised with the Holy Spirit. If you've never, if you don't think you've had that distinct experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you want that and you desire that, there'll be an opportunity for us to pray with you. It doesn't have to be us to pray with you. You don't have to be prayed for. It's not a magic formula. You can go home in your bedroom this evening and pray and it can happen. It doesn't have to be here. Sometimes it helps. So the next couple of Sundays we're going to have that opportunity to pray for people. And if you haven't been baptised in the Holy Spirit but you want to be, I'm going to encourage you these next couple of weeks to just start seeking God for that. I've done a little thing that you can take away, a little sheet that you can take away with you and it's a prayer on there. I would encourage you every day to pray that prayer and to look at the verses that I put on there to get prepared to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like Again, it's not a magic formula. You don't need that, but it can be helpful. It can be useful. If you have been baptised in the Holy Spirit and you do have the gift or you do speak in tongues or you know that you, you have that power, but you might think to yourself, actually, you know what, that was a long time ago. And I kind of want a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Then I encourage us all to take that prayer away and start praying it every day over the next couple of weeks to just get ourselves in that place to say, yeah, God, you know what? I want more of you. I want a new empowering of your spirit because I can't do it on my own. I can't be the person that God wants me to be on my own because I'm I'm pretty rubbish most of the time. But I want to be bold in my witness. I want to be strong in my faith. I want to tell people about Christ. I want to see people's lives transformed. I know I need the Spirit to do that. It's only the Holy Spirit that's going to give me that boldness and that power to go out and be the person that I need to be. So I want to encourage us all. I'm going to invite the worship group to come back. And I'm not going to pray for people now. I want us to go away. I want us to have a little um, read of what I've just put together take it away, start praying that, start thinking about that over the next couple of weeks. And like I said, there will be an opportunity for us to pray with you and to receive the Holy Spirit baptism so that we have that empowerment. I know that God wants to move through our lives and do great things. And many, many churches have great authority in the spirit great authority but that's not enough we need great power we need to have that power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives so
so that we can see people's lives changed and transformed, yeah? Let's stand together. Father God, I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to earth. That you didn't just leave, but that you sent your Spirit here so that your presence would be here with us. And Lord, I thank you that each and every one of us has the promise and the assurance of your Spirit working in our lives. But Father God, we want to give ourselves over to you to be absolutely available for your spirit to come upon us to be baptized in the holy spirit to so that we can be empowered not for ourselves not just for here but for everybody out there lord in our workplaces in our friendship groups in our communities the people we see and the people we meet god that is why we want to be completely immersed and plunged into your spirit so that we are saturated with it. We want to be so full because ultimately, Lord, we want to see people's lives changed and transformed. So God, I pray that this coming week and over the coming weeks, we would just get to that place where we can prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from you. And God, whatever it is, whatever gifts that you want to give us, Lord, I pray that we'd be open to receive those gifts. Lord, anyone that feels they're not good enough or inadequate and can't receive your spirit, Lord, I pray that you would just take those thoughts away and that each person will be reassured that your spirit is for all of us. All of us. It's inclusive. And so prepare our hearts, Lord, and prepare our minds to just receive your power so that we might be bold. And God, help us with our heavenly language, with our gift of tongues. Lord, I pray that you would reawaken that in our lives. If we've left that gift dormant for too long, I pray, God, that you would shake it up and reawaken it in us and stir it again in us. And if we don't have the gift of speaking tongues, but we want it, Lord, I pray that we would start to seek you for that. And it would be something that we could receive. But I thank you that you want to empower us. You want to fill us more than we could ever desire you. And I thank you for that. Father, would you bless us and would you be with us? Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.